So as we finish up a new year and or finish up the old year and, and looking to a new year, what do you look to? What are we to look to? And if you ask people that question, they may give an answer. They may give Jesus Christ as the answer. If you talk to many people, what, what should we look to? But if you listen to them a little bit, that's not what they're looking to at all. They'll turn it around. It's all about something that we do or don't do or something like that. So it's all about looking to ourselves. And again, they'll say outright, oh, look to Jesus Christ. But listen to what they believe and what they're saying. It is all about looking to ourselves. And uh, so we do thank God that he has made us to differ uh, from this. So this evening I'd like to look at a verse of scripture in Isaiah chapter 51. Now we realize in the Old Testament here and Isaiah and certainly it's talking about Israel. But it is applicable to us in this day and age as well. If it's nothing but history, not applicable to us, then let's not waste our time looking back there. But certainly, uh, it's not a waste of time. We see the same truths in the Old Testament. In fact, someone said the New Testament is the Old Testament revealed, and I, uh, that's a very good statement. I don't know who first coined it, but that's a very good statement. So we'll look in the Old Testament, Isaiah chapter 51, to, as a starting place to, you know, what, what do we look to? What should we really look to? So uh, starting in verse 1, Isaiah 51. Hearken to me, ye that follow after righteousness. Ye that seek the Lord. Look unto the rock from which ye are hewn. And to the hole of the pit from which ye are digged. Look unto Abraham, your father. And to Sarah, who bore you. For I called him alone, and blessed him, and increased him. For the Lord shall comfort Zion. He will comfort all her waste places. And he will make her wilderness like Eden. And her desert like the garden of the Lord. Joy and gladness shall be found in it. Thanksgiving and the voice of melody. Hearken to me. O my people, and give ear unto me, O my nation, for the law shall proceed from me, and I will make my judgment to rest for a light on the people. My righteousness is near, my salvation is gone forth, and mine arms shall judge the people whose isles or coasts shall wait upon me, and upon mine arm shall they trust. Lift up your eyes to the heavens, and look upon the earth beneath. For the heavens shall vanish away like smoke, and the earth shall grow old like a garment. And they that dwell therein shall die in like manner. But my salvation shall be forever, and my righteousness shall not be abolished. So again, we see something certainly <clears throat> would be looking uh, uh, and talking about Israel, but again, talking about us in this day and age as well. Speaking about Israel from Abraham to, to Jesus Christ. <clears throat> and uh, 
the scripture says avoid foolish questions about the law and genealogies. Well, Israel went through, well, they looked to Father Abraham. They looked at the genealogy as their way of salvation. We'll talk about Abraham and, the, and, and how we might be connected to Abraham, but uh, our genealogy, literal genealogy, is not, is not what we look to, I should say. So they were to look <coughs> to the rock, he says, from which they were hewn. So, again, what do we look to? And I know we, I realize we know the answer to this. But are we connected to Abraham in any way? The Galatians says that the blessings of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ. So there is that spiritual connection. We are Abraham's seed through Jesus Christ. There is that connection in that manner, but not a literal uh, connection. We are the sons of Abraham, again, in that respect, through Jesus Christ. So what does this mean to us today? Look to the pit. What rock are we really from? And what hole of the pit are you digged from? Or is this just speaking about Israel? It is speaking about Israel, but also uh, about you and I. So I'm going to turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 10 for a moment. Because it's talking about a rock. Look to the hole, uh, the pit from which you were digged, and, and a rock. 1 Corinthians chapter 10. And we'll talk a little about the rock that followed them around in the wilderness. But 1 Corinthians chapter 10, <clears throat> in verse 1. Moreover, brethren, I would not that you should be ignorant that... All our fathers were under the cloud and all passed through the sea. And were all baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. And did all eat that same spiritual food. And did all drink that same spiritual drink. For they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them. And that rock was Christ. So... Now, we think of the rock in the wilderness that, that, uh, that saved Israel, that sustained Israel. And it tells them, again, we're, we're instructed to look to the rock, the hole of the pit from which you, you were digged. So let's go back in the Old Testament, back in Exodus chapter 17, and uh, see where that rock was used. And again, Corinthians tells us, that rock was Christ. Now, it doesn't tell us that in the Old Testament, uh, that plain and that literal, but uh, uh, certainly that rock is Christ, as we read in Corinthians there. So, Exodus 17, starting in verse 1. And all the congregation of the children of Israel journeyed from the wilderness of sin after their journeys according to the commandment of the Lord... And encamped in Rephidim, and there was no water for the people to drink. So they saw there was no early earthly way for them to be saved or sustained. In verse 2, 
Wherefore the people did strive with Moses and said, Give us water that we may drink. Moses said unto them, Why strive ye with me? Wherefore do ye put the Lord to the test? And the people thirsted there uh, for water. And the people murmured against Moses and said, Why hast thou brought us up out of Egypt to kill us and our children and our cattle with thirst? And Moses cried unto the Lord, saying, What shall I do unto this people? They are almost ready to stone me. So we mentioned this morning Israel, as they come through the Red Sea, that miracle, of course, the miracle doesn't start there. It starts with the miracle back in Egypt and the Passover. Still today, I haven't heard, you know, people, uh, certain people like to explain things in the scriptures, you know, literally how they would happen and so forth. And, and I guess I have no problem with, with some of that. You, again, they may say the Red Sea well is only knee deep there or something like that. We discussed that this morning. But uh, how could you explain that Passover only taking the life, I'm talking about in a physical uh, manner, the, uh, all of our physicians and people that's supposed to have all the knowledge and everything. How would you explain the fact that the firstborn in every household was going to die? What disease could cause that? And how could you explain that blood that was put up there? Nobody behind there was affected by it. How could you explain that? I mean, that would be, and I, of course, I've tried to think, well, how could that be? Well, it's just a miracle, that's all. It's just, just miraculous. That's all that it is. But uh, Israel saw that. And that next morning when they come out of that house, they heard all the weeping and mourning of all the Egyptians. Just think of all the death. Every firstborn, every household, even the livestock. So they saw that. And they saw that the firstborn that was behind this door with the blood applied was still alive, wasn't affected. They, 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 they saw that. They saw the Red Sea open. They saw them go through. They saw it destroy Pharaoh's army. They saw all that. Of course, we read this morning, yeah, they had eyes and they saw, but they didn't understand. So here they are out in this uh, wilderness. This wilderness is a, is a desert and there's no water. Are they doubting the Lord? Yes, they're doubting the Lord. They go to Moses and Moses said, they're about ready to stone me and everything. So anyway, uh, of course, this was all for a reason. And uh, let's see, where did I leave off? Uh, verse 5. And the Lord said to Moses, Go on before the people, take with thee of the elders of Israel and thy rod, wherewith thou smotest the river, and take in thy hand and go. Behold, I will stand before thee upon the rock, the rock in Horeb. We know Corinthians told us that rock was really Christ. Behold, I will stand before thee there upon the rock in Horeb, and thou shalt smite the rock, 
And there shall come water out of it, that the people may drink. And Moses did so in the sight of the elders of Israel. So God's people, so they were in the desert. They were in, and this, I used to think a wilderness was like, oh, Daniel Boone traveled through the wilderness and all these deep woods. No, wilderness here means desert. It's not a habitable place. So they were in the desert. And uh, they didn't see any, any way. And out of this rock, now I don't, I don't know how that uh, uh, happened. It was a miracle. But uh, water, water coming out to feed Israel, which was a lot of people that, at that time. So they were saved. They were sustained. They were saved uh, by this rock. And God provided this rock to save them. Obvious, there's nothing they could have done. No other way for them. And again, we read that uh, that rock is Christ. So we know uh, there's that physical rock, but we know it's a representation of Jesus Christ. So there was no early, earthly way for us to be saved. Uh, the scripture says, with man it's impossible, but with God all things are possible. That applies that there was no possible way with man that we could be saved. And that's as true now <laughs> as it was back then. There's no possible way with man we could be saved, but with God, all things are possible. So look at this rock back there and that God provided, and they were saved. It was the rock was smitten. Jesus Christ was smitten. Now let's go to Numbers chapter 20. And we see a uh, similar but slightly different event here. Numbers chapter 20. And uh, well, let's start at verse 1 here as well. Then came the children of Israel, even the whole congregation, to the desert of Zin in the first month, and the people abode in Kadesh, and Miriam died there and was buried there. And there was no water. Here we go again, desert. Of course there wasn't any water. And there was no water for the congregation. And they gathered themselves together against Moses and against Aaron. And the people strove with Moses and spoke, saying, Would God that we had died when, uh, died when our brethren died uh, before the Lord. And why have you brought us up the congregation of the Lord into this wilderness, that we and our cattle should die there? And wherefore have you made us to come up out of Egypt? To bring us into the, this evil place. For it is no place of seed, of figs, or vines, or pomegranates. Neither is there any water to drink. So, again, here they were. There was no earthly way for them to be saved. There was no water. There's no way they could save themselves. Of course, you can see here, that's what they were looking to themselves. Was they looking to the Lord that brought them through the Red Sea and destroyed Pharaoh's army? No. Was they looking to the Lord that had the plague on the Egyptians 
And, and by the way, I, I, I guess I should look that word up and study a little more. But remember, that, uh, that night says uh, they went to, the, you know, the, the different plagues. And the Pharaoh was going to let them go. And he said, no, you can't go. And then the last plague. So it said they went to the Egyptians and borrowed is what the scripture says, and borrowed gold and silver. The Egyptians said, here, just take it, get out of here, leave us alone. And of course, all this went in the tabernacle and so forth. But anyway, uh, so these, they had forgotten. They didn't understand about the Passover. They had forgotten about the Red Sea. They had forgotten about the rock the first time that gave them water and saved them. But here they are again. Going to be saved by the, the same rock. Uh, verse 6. And Moses and Aaron went from the presence of the assembly into the door of the tabernacle of the congregation. And they fell upon their faces, and the glory of the Lord appeared unto them. And the Lord spoke unto Moses, saying, Take the rod, and gather thou the assembly together, thou and Aaron thy brother, and speak ye and to the rock before their eyes. And it shall give forth water. And thou, and thou shalt bring forth to them water out of the rock. So thou shalt give the congregation and their beast to drink. So, it's going to save them by the, the same rock. And again... We look at this literally of Israel, but we also look, look at spiritually for us. We know that rock was Christ. It told us that. That's what saved them. And in verse 9, it goes on. And Moses took the rod from before the Lord as he commanded him. And Moses and Aaron gathered the congregation together before the rock and said unto them, Here now, ye rebels, must we? And remember those words. Must we fetch you water out of this rock? Moses was talking about himself and Aaron. Must we fetch you water out of this rock? And Moses lifted up his hand with which his rod, he smote the rock. He was told to speak to it, wasn't he? He smote the rock twice, and the water came out abundantly, and the congregation drank, and their beast also and the Lord spoke unto Moses and Aaron, Because you believe me not, to sanctify me in the eyes of the children of Israel, therefore you shall not bring this congregation to the land which I have given unto them. So Moses needed only to smite the rock one time. Jesus Christ was to be smitten on the cross one time. Uh, Said, but for by one offering, perfected forever those that are justified. So here we see, and I don't want to get over on that too much, but we see Moses, God said, speak to the rock this time. But Moses said, must we? And you know, the Lord didn't let him go over into the promised land. He saw it, but he didn't let him go over into the land of promise. He said, must we fetch it? So Boy, that, that creeps into mankind, doesn't it? That, that's, and that's what we are. We, the same thing. It just creeps in. What we, we. There's something we want. Like the gentleman I talked to, worked with him for, uh, for a few years. We'd talk about salvation and so forth. 
He said, well, you'd like to think we have something to do with it. And that's exactly what we would like to think. But by God's grace, he shows us, no, it's, it's not of us, but it's of him. And let's go to Isaiah chapter 53 and uh, look there. Uh, this, uh, it doesn't talk about a, a rock there. But as we know, that rock was Christ. And that rock is what saved them. And that, so we are also to look at that rock. Isaiah 53, and uh, I'll, I won't read much here to save a little time. Uh, the first two verses. Who hath believed our report? And to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? For he shall grow up before him like a tender plant, and like a root out of dry ground. He hath no form nor comeliness. When he shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. And this is a picture of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And, and we can, Isaiah thought there was nobody else believed it now. But we feel this way a little bit, don't we? Who's the arm of the Lord revealed to? Who trusts in the arm of the Lord? Who trusts in his strength? Everybody's looking to themselves. But we know it wasn't true then. There are other, and the Lord has others in this day and age as well. So it's talking about Jesus Christ, this rock. For he shall grow up before him like a tender plant, like a root out of dry ground. That's a virgin birth. It's impossible, humanly speaking, it's impossible to bring a root out of dry ground. But this was miraculous, a virgin birth. Like a root out of dry ground, he hath no form of comeliness, that when uh, we shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. And certainly he wasn't desired, was he? He wasn't looked upon in that manner. But this was Jesus Christ. This was that rock. And uh, Isaiah said for, uh, or not Isaiah, Romans, by the obedience of one, shall many be justified by the obedience of one. So we look to the rock and the hole of the pit from which we were digged. And I know the world, and I know only by God's grace we would as well, looks to ourselves in different degrees, in different degrees. But uh, so I say unto you, look to the rock from which you were hewn, and that spiritual rock was Jesus Christ. Don't look to yourself. Uh, don't look at your decisions. You're holding on. Look to him. And our, our lesson said, look to the hole of the pit from which you were digged. I won't go back there. You're familiar with it. But we go back in, in the garden with Adam and Eve. And there's so many types and shadows there. But we see uh, uh, the Lord making a bride for Adam. Where did that bride come from? From his side. Calls a deep sleep. He took a rib. And he, the bride came from Adam, from the hole of the pit in Adam's side. And that's where the bride came from. 
Where does the bride of Jesus Christ come from? Uh, John chapter 19. Gospel John chapter 19. So there is a bride of Jesus Christ. Uh, Gospel John chapter 19. And uh, start in verse 28. John 19 and, and 28. After this, Jesus, knowing that all things were now accomplished, that the scriptures might be fulfilled, saith, I thirst. Now there was, said a, a vessel full of vinegar, and they filled a sponge with vinegar, and put it upon hyssop, and put it into his mouth. When Jesus therefore had received the vinegar, he said, It is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up the spirit. The Jews therefore, because it was the preparation that the bodies should not remain upon the cross on the Sabbath day, for the Sabbath day was a high Sabbath day, besought Pilate that their legs might be broken, that they might be taken away. Now, you understand on the cross, or as I understand it, you know, as they would hang, they couldn't hardly breathe because, you know, the hanging and, and what it done to their lung, they couldn't hardly breathe. So they would take their legs and push up a little bit, which was painful because there were spikes in their legs. But then they could uh, get more breath. But here they don't break their legs. Then they couldn't do that. Then they would die a little faster is what this was all about. Uh, so he gave up the spirit. And uh, verse 31, the Jews, therefore, now remember, this Jesus Christ is that rock. That rock that was smitten that saved their life in a way that they could never be saved by themselves, by anything else. So we're looking at that rock right here in the form of Jesus Christ. Uh, Verse 31, the Jews, therefore, because it was a preparation that the body should not remain upon the cross on the Sabbath day, for the Sabbath day was uh, an high day, besought Pilate that their legs might be broken and that they might be taken away. Then came the soldiers and broke the legs of the first, and all the other who was crucified with him. But when they came to Jesus and saw that he was dead already, they broke not his legs, which fulfilled a prophecy. But one of the soldiers with a spear pierced his side, and immediately came there out blood and water. Do you think, well, we know this is all in the Lord's plan. So they broke the two legs, so these others would die quicker. And they come to this one who they really hated. He's already dead. Wasn't no need to do anything else. He's already dead. They took that spear and plunged it into his side, which was the smiting of the rock. Uh, let's see. Verse 33. But when they came to Jesus and saw that he was already dead, they broke not his legs. But one of the soldiers with a spear pierced his side, and immediately came there out blood 
and water. And let me tell you, that blood paid a price. Adam's wife was taken out of his side. There was bloodshed there, by the way, as well. I used to think the first shedding of blood was when that lamb was killed uh, to make coverings for Adam and Eve. But I was wrong. The first shedding of blood, as I see it, is when the, the bride was taken from the side of Adam. First type and shadow of, of Jesus Christ. Uh, Verse 34, but one of the soldiers uh, with a spear pierced his side and immediately came there out blood and water. So from this hole, from this pit, ye are digged. That's what we're looked to. From his shed blood is where his wife, is where his bride comes from. Now there's... There's something that uh, one of the last uh, studies, as I saw the brother also was teaching before the Lord took him home, was, was kind of on this subject about Jesus Christ's death paying one thing and the blood paying something else. And I see that as well. Uh, let's see. Acts chapter uh, 20. Let's go, let's go there. So we see a picture here of uh, Jesus Christ uh, being crucified, being smitten only one time. And uh, his side was pierced as the rock was, was pierced and the life-saving came out. Acts chapter 20. So the shed blood came out of there. So he died on the cross and he shed blood. So... And I like this scripture, Acts 20 and 28. Take heed therefore unto yourselves and to all the flock over which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to feed the church of God which he hath purchased with his own blood. I think we can look at this his death on the cross paid for the price, said the wages of sin is death. His death on the cross paid the price of all God's elect throughout all ages. Not every human being on the face of the earth. His death on the cross said the wages of sin is death. And he paid that for God's elect and even the elect within the elect, of course. So his death paid for that. And says, look to the rock from which you were hewn. Again, we, we looked at Adam. His bride came from his side. Jesus Christ hanging on the cross. Where did his bride come from? Where did his church was makes up his bride? And this says here. Take heed therefore unto yourselves and to all the flock over which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to feed the church of God which he purchased with his own blood. So I believe there is a difference in his death and what his blood paid for. I believe his death, again, paid for the Adamic sin. And I believe his blood was shed, paid the price for his bride. So look at him on the cross. And maybe I'll flip back to John there again, uh, chapter 20. 
Look at him on the cross. But here, this was after his resurrection, John 20 and 25. Again, what do we look to? John 20 and 25. Uh, well, 24. But Thomas, one of the twelve, called Didymus, was not with them when Jesus came. So he had, they didn't, Thomas didn't see him the first time. The other disciples therefore said to him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Except I shall see in his hands the print of the nails, and put my finger into the print of the nails, and thrust my hand to his side, I will not believe. So Thomas at this time says, This is the only way that I'll believe it. So then 26. And after eight days... Again, his disciples were inside, and Thomas with them. Then came Jesus, the doors being shut. So there was no squeaking of the hinges or anything. He just appeared in their midst, as he could do. Uh, then came Jesus, the doors being shut, and stood in the midst and said, Peace be unto you. Then, he saith, then saith he unto Thomas, Reach here thy finger, and behold my hands. And reach here thy hand, and thrust it into my side. And be not faithless, but believing. And Thomas answered and said unto him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said unto him, Thomas, because thou hast seen me, thou hast believed. Blessed are they that have not seen, and yet have believed. So we haven't physically seen the Lord Jesus Christ, but with our spiritual eyes that He's given us, we have seen, but we haven't seen Him physically, but yet we believe. So that's what we look to. We look to Him on the cross, look to the whole, remember He was the rock, and the rock was smitten. And it was life-saving. Jesus Christ was our rock. And on the cross, he was smitten. So look to that hole in the pit from which you were digged. Again, I believe we see two things there. I believe the wages of sin is death. And I believe that paid for the damning sin of all God's elect. But I believe that bloodshed, as we read there, was for his church, was for his bride. And that's where the bride uh, comes from. So don't make him a failure. Don't, uh, one lady said, well, the Lord's done all he can do. The rest is up to us. Don't, don't make him a failure. As if, oh, that's, he's done all he can do, but that wasn't enough. Look to him. Trust in him. Rest in him. Have peace in him. May the Lord bless the speaking of his word. We're dismissed.